The Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Boom. Buzz. That's the noise of the fly that is buzzing around in my office as I am starting this podcast. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> This is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, uh, where me, Mike, and my friend Craig, hi Craig, hello, talk, hello, talk about a movie that is not quite great. It's not awful, but not quite great, and try and understand what is it that's gone a bit wrong. What could have been done to make it great? Where, where did it fall down? And today we are talking about 1994 cult classic, The Crow. The Crow. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Craig, tell us a little bit about the crow. Oh gosh, well the um, despite the fact that you and I agreed when we started doing this podcast that we were going to avoid comic book movies, basically because every other dipshit on the internet with an with a podcast is talking about comic book movies, um, we are going to be doing a comic book movie today in the shape and form of James O. Barr's. Um, I kind of like to say groundbreaking comic, The Crow. Um, so that was a, was a huge underground success um, and which spawned this film, um, which was basically a revenge fantasy in the uh, vein of um, The Count of Monte Cristo um, and was a monster, a modest, at least a modest hit in 1994, uh, which was probably driven a little bit by the tragic death of its star, uh, Brandon Lee, under awful under awful um situation an awful situation on set where another actor actually shot him uh in a in a pyrotechnic you know stunt gone wrong yeah um and uh i said to mike before we started this basically every retrospective i watched in in the lead up to this started their review (laughs) detailing in, in explicit detail uh, the de- the situation which led to Brandon Lee's shooting. So I think it's impossible for Mike and I to talk about this film without at least talking a little bit about the tragic and untimely death of Brandon Lee. Which, Obvious, um, which other comic book son movies of have, Bruce Lee. Which other comic book, comic book movie? We did Watchmen. Is Darkman a comic book movie? No, no. So that started with the director Sam Raimi wanting to do a comic book movie but couldn't get the rights oh, and so he was just like so he just made, I'll make up, my made own. one up I'll made him up I'll make him up <laughs> and then so borrowed liberally from like Phantom of the Opera and was just like yeah that'll do he I'll make my own comic book, book movie I'll make I'll make my own comic book movie which is fun <laughs> because Sam Raimi is now uh directing a big Hollywood a big Marvel comic book movie he's doing the new Doctor Strange film which yeah. is perfect for Sam Raimi yeah and he did um, he did Spider-Man yeah, and he did Spider-Man, Spider-Man as well. so he got, he got which kicked off which kicked off the current wave of of comic book films which have been which which is basically the only bankable thing in Hollywood at the moment is big budget comic book movies yeah so, this yeah. this not a big budget comic book movie not a well this I, I don't know not. I don't know anything about comics is, is, is the crow well-known comic it was it was definitely an underground cult um, thing. There was definitely nothing else really like it at the time. Um, uh, one could even argue that because it's all drawn in black and white and it's 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 very stark um, and it's very vivid and the the violence is graphic. So one could argue that 
uh, probably a better known uh, version of that is Sin City by Frank Miller. Mm. So you could argue that Frank Miller aped the 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 black and white aesthetic from The Crow to make Sin City. So which came out not what five years or so after this? Yeah, yeah, that's a Robert Rodriguez joint. Um, and yeah, they, they definitely, with that film, much like this film, really tried to capture the look and feel of the comic on the panel as mm. opposed to just going, here's some cool ideas and a name yeah. with some brand recognition, throw that on the screen. So, And this is not, um, not that long after Batman either, and we talked about Batman a lot when we talked about Darkman. Yeah, Batman is 89, Batman, so Tim Burton's Batman is 89. So Batman Returns yeah. had also already come out, what's that, 92? Mm. 92 yeah 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 so um i i even remember the marketing for this film for the crow was the tagline one of the taglines was darker than the bat so they were definitely wow really yeah (laughs) that might have been the home video release at least i remember that's the 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 poster on the side of the video rental store in highbury uh in the town where mike and i live lived auckland uh, was darker than the bat i always thought that was funny <laughs> i just remember thinking that these are wildly different films going for a wildly different thing uh, but morally ambi- morally ambiguous um core anti-hero um versus batman who's very morally right at all times so the, the, it's, nothing it's, ambiguous the, about batman they're, they're both about a um you could say an an anti-hero who is mm-hmm. is is being even worse than the baddies. Give, he's giving the baddies back what, what they gave. It's very Punisher esque yeah. or Wolverine of the same time. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of um, comic book characters in the nineties did sort of take on this as bad as the bad guys. Yeah, sort of you mentioned Spawn as well, which must which was Spawn by Todd McFarlane. Yeah, yeah, roughly about the same time, a couple of years later. Um, but um, yeah roughly the same sort of thing like as bad as the you know they're they're villains who just don't you know hurt children i wonder if the, i wonder if that comes out of the uh, is that born of the 80s and the kind of oh ex, the, very the, possibly the excess like and the the, the uh, wealth and power and kind and of the inequality evil yeah yeah evil at, at, the, at the highest most untouchable levels it's, so there's, the, yeah. there's this where, where things go unpunished yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. So, and funnily enough, the 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 comic book, the the creator of the comics is this guy called James O'Barr, and James O'Barr, um, he lost his girlfriend to a, a drunk driver um, under tragic circumstances, and so according to according to the story, he he writes the crow as kind of like this catharsis to to you know to get revenge on this drunk driver. Um, but later he would go on to say that um, it didn't really help and it just sort of fueled his depression and mm. um, dwelling on it in this way really wasn't wasn't expunging that 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 issue for him um, so yeah ultimately ultimately this 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 whole film was informed by tragedy about tragic circumstances and where James Arbar certainly felt that his girlfriend's death was went unpunished so clearly there's a whole argument or a whole discussion around punishment and retribution and justice and the lack thereof or seeming lack thereof so Mm. yeah here we here we have the crow about a a man who witnesses the the death of his wife under horrible circumstances 
um, and uh, then is returned to the living by mysterious supernatural forces to uh, exact revenge on 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 his on his villains. Mm. So, welcome to the crow. Yeah. Now you 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 mentioned obviously uh, Brandon Lee at the start as the who's the main plays the main character Eric Draven. And That's right. Who yeah, Eric um, Draven was get was, it kids the crow raven eric draven <laughs> um and who was so it's bruce lee's son and yep. like bruce lee uh died very young tragically young tragically yeah. young um in, in this case in an accident with a firearm on set on set uh do you want to yeah. do you want to talk us through what talk us through what happened there uh well i mean i'm sure most people will, will have seen and uh, or will know the basics but ultimately there was a a mishap on set with a with a gun um which was loaded um first with um fake bullets and caps to give the impression of bullets in the chamber of this big freaking revolver um and then uh that gun was then reset and um unbeknownst to the people on set one of these fake um brass caps had become lodged in the barrel of the gun um they replaced the bullets with uh blanks to shoot this next scene um, the actor Michael Massey, who plays uh, Fun Boy in this um, in this film, he he is then he sh- he is meant to shoot on screen um, Brandon Lee uh, as Eric Draven as he comes in, and uh, unbeknownst to him and everybody else on set, um, they've taken their their fake blank firing gun and turned it into a, a real live weapon with a projectile lodged in the barrel. Um, and uh, sadly, he shoots him from what well, seems to be conflicting stories from from as little as four feet, but for as as far away as ten or fifteen feet. But it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, the the projectile, the brass cap, comes out of the the barrel of that gun with sufficient force to lodge itself uh, deep into his abdomen and ultimately into his spine. He was rushed to hospital, and um, six hours of surgery couldn't save him, and he was pronounced dead. You know, at one p.m um uh, roger tragically with three days of principal photography left to, mm. to finish on this film um the decision was then made obviously to to carry on and and very nascent uh, digital technology was used to graft um brandon lee's face from unused footage onto uh a, a very young chad stileski who would go on to um direct the john wick films um onto uh, uh, chad stileski played Brandon Lee's uh, hmm. stunt double um, and was the stunt coordinator on this film uh, or one of the stunt coordinators on this film um, and uh, yeah and that's how they finished the movie hmm. um, and I suspect there was actually some rewrites as well which we can get into a little bit later but ultimately Brandon Lee uh, R.I.P. Um, I think I think this film uh, would have made him a triple uh, A AAA star I think he hmm. would have come out of this being a big star he, he he had some chops and he, he looked he was compelling on screen I, I think he would have he would have been a would have been a big big deal yeah I, I didn't see this movie when it when it came out this the first time I've watched it was last week for this podcast and uh, I, but obviously I've read about it I've read about Brandon Lee and I that was one of my takeaways is oh yeah he he is he is the real deal it's it's not they're not just trying to pin something on a you know, make something out of a Hollywood make something out of an accident and it kind of contribute mm. to the marketing of the movie he's the real deal yeah he, I agree he um certainly could have 
could have gone on to um, have a long and a long and successful career. He had a lot of charisma, uh, a lot of yeah. screen presence. Um, he had a real Keanu Reeves thing yeah, he, happening. Like I, I could see him yeah, and Keanu Reeves yeah. going up for the same kind of films. Yeah, he doesn't get a chance. He doesn't get to display an incredible amount of range in this movie. But, no, but certainly, and yeah, his similar to Keanu Reeves, who also doesn't you wouldn't necessarily associate as a range actor. He's is mostly it's mostly charisma and just watchability, straight up charm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I think um, I think one of the great what ifs. I think um, one of the great what-ifs of Hollywood is uh, what if um, Brandon Lee hadn't died um, and what films would he would he have been in? I think the one that comes up the most is um, uh, The Matrix starring Brandon Lee, mm. um, which would have been an interesting film. Gosh, but you know, that's... I, I think that's... The Matrix by itself is a fine film and Keanu Reeves does just brilliantly in it. There's nothing wrong with what Keanu Reeves is doing in those movies, but um, I think I think it's fun to, to think... Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I have a, I have a new cat playing around in the background of my studio office. Between Craig's cat and my fly, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting some really some really impressive sound effects. Some, there's some, we're getting, really there's getting some, the, there's some live the powers of nature. Sound. Nature's imposing <laughs> itself on this podcast. Um, yeah, I, I agree, and and certainly I can see that I can see that connection, particularly given he is the son of the world's most famous martial artist, and so to have him appearing in in the Matrix that um, takes such a fresh look at martial arts and the role that martial arts has in cinema. To have mm. Brandon Lee in that role would be jaw dropping. From, from yeah, I think sense. Brandon Lee was um, a, a competent martial artist in his own right. So I think the two films, like he has a, a filmography that's maybe ten or ten or eleven films long, um, but the two films that he's he's done immediately before this are a film called Rapid Fire, and the other one is um, Big Showdown in Little Tokyo. So I haven't I haven't seen either. Um, fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when I was first um, uh, shortly before Mike and I started doing this podcast, I'd been toying around with the idea of doing a podcast. And one of the films that I had picked to do a podcast about was Big Showdown in Little Tokyo. But um, uh, this is when I was fooling around with the idea of kind of doing it by myself or, or getting a friend uh, to, to assist. Uh, but it never went anywhere. And although I acquired a copy of Big Showdown in Little Tokyo, it is yet unwatched. So... <laughs> Is that is, is that a, is a like a deliberate ripoff of Big Trouble in Little China or? Yeah, it is. A right. Big Showdown in Little Tokyo. It's it stars Dolph Lundgren as well, oh. so it's a real Dolph Lundgren and, and Brandon Lee, you know, kicking it up. So no more. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I should one day. I'll have to watch it. No, I I did. I mentioned that um, I I don't feel like Brandon Lee gets a chance chance to demonstrate much range here. Um, and, uh, although I really dig his performance, um, I, I felt like this movie, um, it, yeah, it really lacks a lot of substance in terms of the characters and the story. Uh, it's, it's pretty cardboard cutout. Um, so Craig, you compared it in, in your opening remarks, you were saying that it's, um, it's a revenge story. Uh, it's oh, also yeah. a bit of it's a, a revenge fantasy. It's also a bit of a reverse 
of the of the eighties horror slasher films, slasher yeah, films Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, where yeah. you have uh, a bunch of hapless kids up against an unstoppable monster. Where in this case, it's a bunch of hapless criminals up against yeah, an awful, unstoppable awful hero. <laughs> um, and 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 this was as I was I, I, as I was watching this movie, I hadn't really I hadn't, I hadn't uh, made that interpretation. I. I, I felt like it's because it, you don't watch enough horror. I'm gonna get even some more horror films from the eighties to get more horror in me. Um, yeah, I, it's not hockey season. I found, <laughs> I found it really, um, really frustrating that that the main character, uh, he so he, he has a motivation which is revenge, but he has he has no challenges to overcome. Um, a he is invincible up until about the last up until the final act, essentially. There's there's no evidence that there is any way to stop him. He's invulnerable to bullets, um, and he doesn't even have to, he doesn't have to use his brain either, or, or or put any effort into tracking these guys down. He just follows the crow. Um, no, so the crow takes him from yeah, point A to point B quite quite successfully. So there's no you mentioned Count of Monte Cristo, which is you know, an incredibly elaborate revenge story of someone they get out of prison and then they spend twenty years crafting everything that they need everything that they've had time to plan out in the time that the time that he spends in jail you know he crafts this huge elaborate revenge story um revenge arc that involves all sorts of different setups and machinations where Mm. eric just follows the crow no, the crow takes him from point A to point the, B. Literally leads him to yeah. clothes and shoes. So not only not only does he have no he has no challenges to overcome, mm. uh, and he has no there's nothing at stake because he has no risk. There's no risk of him failing in his task because he cannot be killed, and and even if and even if some of these guys even if they get away even if say Tintin gets away. The crow's just going to lead him to him. He's got the supernatural force guiding him. So, as a, as a lead character and in a storytelling sense, there's not a lot of reason to be invested in the movie. You also you never. Sorry, I'm I'm throwing throwing a bunch of shade at this movie already. Um, <laughs> it's, because it's early because in the you podcast, because you never see him, you never see Eric and Shelley together. Mm. You, you you have no reason to apart from in flashbacks you have no real investment in and in what they were like uh i mean the the flashbacks do enough to set up that they were they were a, a handsome and loving couple but there's there's no save the cat moment unless i guess in the sense that okay they've got a there's a young girl that they've befriended a young street girl um that's nice that they look after a young girl and they're friends with her um but you don't there's there's no there's there's no buy-in moment where you go oh i want to i want to back this guy this 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 uh charming young man who plays guitar in a band other than other than that he looks cool and plays guitar (laughs) <laughs> and wears and wears funky makeup and leather and has funky has long hair. funky makeup <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i guess that's all of that's uh very true um this this film doesn't go out of its way to 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 give you any real buy-in but um i wonder how much of that was because um they say that there was only three days of principal photography left 
but there's a I get a real feel that they made some changes to the story to accommodate the fact that they couldn't film key sequences um, after the fact. Like I know there's deleted footage with a character from the comic called the Skull Cowboy, um, which he's this kind of like this otherworldly being that turns up to tell Eric what the the conditions of his revenant status is Um, and they cut all of that and he he more or less turns up to go hey you you'll be invulnerable and invincible so long as you're hunting down the people that killed you the moment you go off topic uh you you lose all of that um and so when at the end of the film he chooses to go and save sarah he is confronted by the skull cowboy there's deleted scenes of this uh, he is confronted by the skull cowboy to say, hey, you did your deed. You, you got your four guys. Um, you go after her, you're on your own. And then uh, he promptly becomes vulnerable again, which is, as you said earlier, which is the... Um, but they cut all of that. All of that's gone. Um, and instead they have some additional dialogue by Bai Ling saying that the crow is his link to the real world mm. and, um, and, and his power resides in the crow. Kill the crow kill the boy i think the line is literally kill the bird kill the boy Hmm. um so but then that they they think they can take his power somehow it's not exactly clear what that power is or how they think they can take it they don't yeah they don't go to too much too much effort I think by Ling and an awful bit of Hollywood casting that they, they kind of cast her as this Asian mystic um, and uh, her and Michael Wincott play brother and sister lovers. It's all very weird, um, but they um, they end up with uh, this interesting Asian mystic character, which is a little bit racially insensitive, I suppose. But she she inst- she insinuates that they could take his power if they can get control of the crow um and so that's how we're, we're jumping well ahead in the plot mm. but um yeah i think i think again this is a film from 1994 if you haven't seen it by now obviously spoilers galore <laughs> people um but um, yeah so it's interesting so you you, you mentioned michael wincott wincott wilcott wincott wilcott not as not as wincott um yeah he's great shout out yeah <laughs> shout out to him um, oh, guy of Gisborne from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So good. Like that I, voice, though. I, I like I like um, Alan Rickman's performance so much in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves that just because someone shared a scene with him, like that makes oh that, everything that gets makes elevated. That person awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael Wincott is uh, absolutely fantastic. But he is he is, really, he is really good. He's got a fantastic voice and. Um, He's real stage presence. He, yeah, he's real got a real presence, presence. and he, he does everything he needs to in this in this movie. He's the big bad, hundred percent top dollar is his character's name, um, and and he's yeah, he's just absolutely uh, out of a. He's the kingpin he's of crime, out of the, right? He's, so he's straight out of the manual of gothic bad guy, <laughs> gravelly voice, waistcoat wearing, hair sharply yeah. dressed, handsome in an ugly kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's everything you want your your comic book villains to be of that time period. He's Mister Big Business. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> very very good. 
um I'd, I'd say overall the casting in this is 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 on point for all of it like all of the the cast of villains um they're all distinct and separate they all have their own personality quirks and they're all I think they've at least gone to some effort to differentiate the villains. So you've got, you've got your your um, T Bird. He's the he's the leader of the crew. He's um, he likes his Thunderbird, that's for sure. And but he's the cool and confident and and comp- uh, confident one of the lot. Yeah. Uh, you've got Fun Boy. He's the the speed freak, or he's the 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 meth addict. The based on not meth heroin. Uh, heroin. He's he's based on Iggy Pop. Um, you've got uh skank he's the speed freak um and then you've got uh tintin who who likes knives so he's got a knife yeah. he's, he's got a knife obsession yeah they're they're so. a tidy enough tidy enough ensemble again nothing yeah. you, you don't you don't need to know any of them too well right they're, they're hench, no they're just gonna die they're henchmen they're just they're, there. they're just there for body count they're, they're there yeah. for body count they are the yeah they are the school kids camping in the woods they sure are they're, they're the frisky teens that are about to be um, violently killed by Jason Voorhees. Yep. Yep. They all, yeah. they all do their job fine. And so, um, yeah, uh, Eric, but then so Eric's got, it, it, he's got his his support crew as well. Um, so he's got the, he uh, the cop, um, Albrecht, um, played by Ernie Albrecht. Hudson. Um, oh, Ernie Hudson. Who's kind of the uh, washed up cop used to be a, used to be a detective but got got busted busted down to a to a beat cop for investigating for a second his nose where it doesn't belong his nose where it doesn't belong essentially for investigating um eric and shelley's murder which yeah doesn't hold up that well when you think about it i think it. i think it's implied that the cops are in the pocket of of michael wincott and so um he 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 was investigating that and um it, it's heavily implied that they're corrupt and he was told to to knock it off and to to write it up to a murder suicide and uh he didn't and so they took his gold shield and now now he's he's almost he's no he is he gets suspended yeah so he can do all of his best policing work while he's suspended so it's like an 80s um an 80s buddy cop thing as well yep. like you got the, the the cop cliche in there um there's a neat scene with him and Brandon Lee in uh, Ernie Hudson's apartment where Ernie Hudson's in his underwear, but he's still wearing still his police got, hat. Still got the hat on. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I uh, can't fault can't fault Ernie Hudson either. He's great. And then there's a um, there's the young girl that Eric and Shelley uh, used to hang out with. And Sarah be Monster. With Sarah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's uh, her mother is a drug addict. She's um, involved with Fun Boy um and so sarah's essentially a street girl she's kind of on her own but she, uh, the mum has a redemption arc um eric after killing fun boy uh, or before killing no it's before killing fun boy it's while he's waking up in the shower yeah um he fa- fun boy faints because he shoots himself in the leg um and then eric tosses him in the sh- tosses him in the shower to wake him up and while he's waking him up he sends um, Dala, um, who was Sarah's mummy, sends, sends Dala daughter. off to go and look after her daughter, which she does, and they have a they have a little moment and a couple of scenes time where she's she's cooking her eggs. She's turned around. Oh oh, and he like extracts 
the heroine. Yeah, the morphine from it, her. Well, it's morphine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, but he says morphine. Morphine is bad for you. Yeah. He kind of lays on lays on hands and then you see the drug emptying out of, Come out the, of um, yeah. the the needle. Like the scars the on her marks. arm. Yeah. Um, and so s- suddenly she's cured of her addiction and she can go and cook eggs for her daughter. <laughs> um, There's a rather famous New Zealand movie that involves someone being someone cooking eggs or being asked yeah, to cook eggs. It's not that yeah, it's yeah, not that's not those kind of eggs. Um, no, it's hard for me not to hear about anyone cooking eggs in a movie without immediately wanting to scream the Tim Moore Morrison line into the mic. So I'm going to avoid no, that. No, let's 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 scoot on past that. <laughs> um, yeah, and and all of these all of these characters. I can I can tell you're really struggling with this movie. You're trying to say nice things, uh, but you don't have a lot of nice things to they're, say. They're just they're just all just out of the manual. You know, which uh, Craig, you can't see this because this is a podcast and it's not a visual medium. But Craig is shrugging, <laughs> shrugging his shoulders. <laughs> What's Craig, the matter? Craig doesn't. Craig doesn't care. Craig's a sile over substance. Uh, I I saw this film at a very formative time in my life when I was really getting into film. Well, when I was when I recognized that I really liked movies, um, and I, I saw this and it was. This movie was visually distinct from anything else at the time, and um, I'm sure I'm sure it, it, it certainly certainly takes its inspiration in a lot of its shots from like it, definitely there's elements of '89 Batman, and there's definitely elements of Blade Runner in a lot of the shooting. Like this, it's all fog filled. It's raining all the time. It's 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 grey. Um, they've gone to great lengths to. Um, to limit the color palette mm. down uh, it, it's not shot in black and white but it may as well be yeah incredibly um, gothic there's everything's incredibly gothic there's only a couple of splashes of color um and they're and they're used very um very intentionally there's uh, a little bit of red is splashed around um which which is their signifier for revenge um there's a little bit uh, ernie hudson gets a bright yellow raincoat at the very end which is kind of weird um but i i think they do that to try and help uh separate out the gray blobs from one another in that final shootout in the church Hmm. um there's and a red flare is used as well like a road flare um but it's like this is revenge coming it's 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 pretty it's you know it's it's some simple filmmaking it's Mm. no one's breaking the mold here this isn't a stanley kubrick film um but uh, i i I think i think this film is is as mike said style over substance i think there's enough substance here to warrant the style and i think i think they certainly for this time period there's nothing else that looks and feels anything like this and it's a it's a, a filming narrative or a filming device that would be oft copied from this yeah, I think this film cracked onto something. We were trying to find the right word before the podcast started off air. And Mike was saying it really captured... We didn't really feel like zeitgeist was the right word, but it's the only one we could come up with. It really captured the zeitgeist of a very particular point in the 90s where there was this, this weird mashup of grunge and goth and industrial music and aesthetics. And this film kind of 
grappled all of those different things together and mushed them together into some semblance of a coherent mm. plot and and packaged it up and put it out onto the market i think it's cool i think it's it's nothing i mean the style has been oft copied i mean there's there's at least at least three sequels to this of rapidly declining quality um so much so that the fourth one i think is basically unwatchable um to be fair all of them are basically unwatchable after this it's hard it's hard to make a sequel about a movie where the character is dead yeah i think you said it prior to the podcast starting like the the threat like there's like what are the stakes like what can really go wrong um the guy's dead he he's invulnerable to bullets what do you what have you got to lose here mm. um you can't kill him it's just it's just about him killing people in fun ways um and which is that slasher film right so it's a it's a uh, you can't see it at home but i think a fly just crawled across mike's camera and i immediately thought of that scene <laughs> from the simpsons where uh with <laughs> the ants are loose in the spaceship um and i for one uh worship our new ant overlords <laughs> and would be useful <laughs> in uh, uh, having people work in the sugar mines so, <laughs> so it's all it's the animal podcast now it's that's, the crow it's kind of it's kind of gothic flies. giant giant insects giant bugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I think this this film is is um, I mean, gosh, we haven't really actually talked that much about the movie. We spoke more about Brandon Lee and and the the style and the gothic structure of the film. But you did, I mean, I, I don't really. Yeah, you did mention. So you mentioned it was it's you know it's in keeping with the time, nineteen ninety four. So we were talking about yeah. we were talking about about the music and the influence of the music and music video. So um, grunge music uh, is is really at its peak in nineteen ninety four. Um, some some could even argue it's post peak by this point has uh kurt cobain died he dies in 1994 he dies in april yeah the day the music died again apparently so um so singles came out two years earlier which is a a romantic comedy based on grunge music uh and that's right and this is essentially a, a horror movie based on grunge music (laughs) um so uh you know know, it's really yeah and there's some really heavy weights on the soundtrack in terms of in terms of grunge and you've got to you've got to think about um you've got to think that that tie in uh and and this movie the bankability of this movie at the time when when you've got uh so many of the heaviest hitters uh uh, it, it grunge it's all, despite grunge being fundamentally an anti-capitalist anti-corporate um genre there's they sure do capitalize on sure it do capitalize on and um well, it's the same with hip-hop right yeah. so hip-hop starts as like in your basement and music that you rip from your, your parents r&b and disco mm. albums and then with by the end of the 80s like that is the biggest money driving sales ticket in america in the world Mm. so what started as like you know diy punk ethic um just like punk before it um do it yourself Mm. you know with anything you can get your hands on um uh becomes you know becomes the mainstream grunge is the same so it's it's funny in in my i don't know how big the soundtrack to the crow got i certainly remember the single soundtrack 
being a, a big deal um uh and uh, this was a big time for soundtracks as well um the pop fiction soundtrack was pretty big we we traced it back uh we thought maybe maybe the big chill was was the first there's probably i feel yeah, like there's maybe an earlier one but certainly the big chill is the earliest one that we could find doing a, a quick bit of research before the show um where there is the soundtrack is, is it's it's not capturing the music of the movie in the sense that Grease so or rather than the Flashdance score or, or yeah. where they're yeah. actually capturing the music of the movie, but the As big a playlist. The big chill it's is the vibe of the movie and I and yeah. the crow and singles the music the music soundtracks for those that were more about capturing the vibe. Even though they do have they do have they do feature grunge musicians. Uh, Eric, Eric is a is a is a rock slash grunge musician, and he does he does sit on the roof in the rain and wail on his guitar. Um, he sure does at certain points in the movie. And then he he smashes that guitar like he was a punk rock. Yep, yep. <laughs> so many and the cat swishing around. So many tropes. He never, he never, <laughs> but i think it invents that trope he, like i think i don't i don't actually know if that that exists in another film in quite that way where you you get to see the the finely chiseled back of chad stileski pretending mm. to be brandon lee smash a guitar on a rooftop you, like i think this this almost invents that you, for a film you don't ever see him do a stage dive but there is a stage no, dive you know he, in the movie there is a stage dive later in the film yeah he's certainly the kind <laughs> of guy who would do a stage dive do you think Brandon Lee as Eric Draven would do a stage dive? I think he'd be way too cool for that, wouldn't he? Like, if he did a stage dive, he'd probably think later that he sold out to the man as he cried into his $100 bill. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> oh, now I'm, th- now I'm asking myself what year Wayne's World came out. That must have been around the same. That must have been 94, 93. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you're right. Like, I think we, we were talking about this before. We are talking about um, how it, I, I, I said it was almost impossible to talk about this film without talking about the soundtrack because the soundtrack was such a big deal i remember um not really liking any of this music when i watched it the first time i I guess i was always too pop radio friendly in in 94 um i i I may have bought the hansen mbops single at about this time um confession time he said ashamedly to the mic um to mike and the mic um but um, if you ever want a podcast by yourself, Mike, that, that, there's your podcast title, Mike and the Mic. Mike on the Mic. Mike on the Mic. Coming to you live, Mike on the Mic. Um, but uh, it's impossible to... The, the soundtrack was everywhere. I remember I remember the soundtrack. I had friends who had the soundtrack. Okay. It was played at parties. It was, it was everywhere. Okay. It was impossible not to hear it. So... But then I guess this was the era for that, like the eighties. Like you had, like you said earlier, it was the big chill. Uh, that was a big soundtrack, and you had Forrest Gump a year before, which had the Forrest Gump soundtrack, which who's everyone, everyone's yeah. dad had it. Um, then you had uh, around this time all these sort of films came out, like they they were all coming out. You got the movie, you got the soundtrack. If if it had a score by a composer, you got the mm. score. Then you got the novelization, sometimes the comic adaptation. Uh, the video game. One of um, previous um, Virgin on Greatness film, The Bodyguard. Oh, was biggest soundtrack one of the of biggest, all time. One of the biggest. Is it the biggest? Biggest selling I soundtrack? It might be. 
Vintage. Yeah, the Again, that movie soundtrack. at least she's a singer in the movie, so, and so she sings the songs. Yeah, so Whitney Houston in the film singing the songs in the film. So, but yeah, that music happens diegetically in the film. Yeah. Whereas in this, uh, with the exception of him on the roof playing guitar, and the one or two times you see a band playing in that that concrete factory of a of a nightclub, um, all the music happens as as accompaniment. It's it's di- it's soundtrack yeah. rather than diegetic. Yeah, someone's yeah. listening to it in their car. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't rain all the time. <laughs> I just I, I just really like that. Uh, I really like the Nine Inch Nails song on here, Dead Souls. And The Cure and Burn. Apparently they don't remember playing that song. Apparently later The Cure really hated playing Burn. And uh, they were so out of it when they recorded it that they were like, what song? Who did that? It <laughs> 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 sounds like The Cure to me. Um, one thing I, I did, I'm just, I'm just looking back over my notes. One thing I, we didn't cover when we talked about um, Top Dollar, the bad guy. Uh, again, and again, just looping back to Batman uh is his so his objective that um i mean eric's not trying to stop this uh it's, it's kind of kind of incidental but he is planning their attempt to raise the stakes is that um once a year on halloween uh the organized crime syndicates uh, organize uh, an event essentially a crime event where they set a bunch of fires um it's loosely tied to the way that Eric and Shelley die and in in that it happens on the same night. It's also, that's also somehow linked to some sort of petition that Shelley has been, Shelley has been organizing for tenants to sign in the place where they live. And that's why they throw her out of, they rape her and throw him out of the, out of the top window. So effectively all good villains in the eighties were property developers. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, and, uh, ultimately landlords. what this is, landlords Freaking is, landlords. Um, ultimately what this is, is they want to burn the building down because the, um, the property is worth more for the land that it sits on than for the tenants that sit in the building. So the idea is to get the tenants out of the building so they can demo the building and, uh, turn it into a skyscraper, which is, which is so 1980s New York it's not funny but they but they fail because the the building's still there the building's still there a year later yes it seems like seems like they're quite determined (laughs) to make this happen but But then do nothing with it yeah but but they just they they kill kill eric and shelly and then oh (laughs) we'll just we'll just sit on we'll sit on that for a little longer we'll see how see how it pans out building's still there no one's in any rush anyway um so i was talking what's the what do they call it devil's night devil's night thank you um so that i think that was a real thing like i think there was i think um or maybe um, maybe the film has just bled into real life for me where i assume that there's a real thing um but um i think there was a there's a real thing where for for a brief period of time like the night before halloween was a night of mischief where where people got up to stuff maybe there was a fire or two mm. and maybe that's what this film is drawing on I don't know if that's an actual thing or not. No research mm. here. This is the high journalistic standards that we strive to on this podcast. So. so he does. So Top Dollar does get a scene, and it is in a room full of mean, the most cliche, mean, bad looking, bad looking dudes. <laughs> the most cliche villains you, you got, could throw together in 1994. Um, 
Everyone's in Mexican gangsters. Everyone's in black. Okay, everyone's yeah. carrying guns. There's a, a range of a range of <laughs> races. Um, yeah, r- races. They're all represented. Like all your the, all your basic, you know, racial stereotypes and, when it comes to villains are there. And Top Dollar does give a speech about how greed is for amateurs, and yeah, that's and right. What it's really about is creating disorder and anarchy which is yep. pretty pretty difficult not to tie <laughs> to the joker <laughs> absolutely um i mean this film takes heavy influence from those kind of films like is it because i mean the joker is all about anarchy and he has uh, he I'm trying to remember back to the 89 89 batman because he has a oh what do you what he has what a do you need scene, to know? i know all. he has a scene where he's giving a speech to a room full of bad dudes because it's the one where he, he buzzes does. the guy to death at the end. Yeah. Is he talking? Oh, I've got a live one here. Is he talking about? Is he talking about anarchy and disorder in that scene? No, he's talking about how he's now assuming control of all of their their um, interest and and how um, he's taking over as the top dog ah, and okay. the guy who's the guy who wants to leave the guy who gets electrocuted. He's like, I'm not going to be a part of this cockamamie scheme. Uh, I'm out of oh, here. Says, Jack yeah, we'll here. shake hands and part as friends. And then, yeah, sh- literally, we'll shake hands and part as friends. And then, yeah, like so I must be thinking of is it the new? Is it the, one of the new ones? One of the um, Chris Nolan ones? Is it the one with the scene with the pen? I'm displaying my ignorance of Batman here, where James the, <laughs> uh, James that's the, the guy's, magic trick one, but James the guy's head headed down the to pen, the pencil. And he sits fire yeah. to some money, and it's all yeah, yeah yeah gun gun uh, gasoline bullets and gasoline are cheap and then he sets fire to the money yeah 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 that's right it's it's not it's not dissimilar but i mean as far as comic book villains come and go that's ultimately the the joker in film has almost always been this this weaponized anarchy so he's just ultimately all about chaos and 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 setting things on fire like that's that's the joker through and through yeah and film yeah but it's the thing is and and here um so we haven't talked much about the kind of we haven't gone normally we go through the kind of beat go through the story beat by beat which we we don't do here we're, i don't know if we're probably not gonna have time to do it now uh, i don't know if it's really worth it anyway but that happens as with as with finding out about the crow and the fact that the crow is eric's weakness that finding out that that's top dollars motivation it doesn't happen until very very close to the to the final act where that seems like quite an important thing this is if you if you if it's going to be this is how the this is the entire third act relies on this because um eric's essentially he's, he's done his revenge but then he needs to stop top dollar what wow this is where it gets, so, it gets, so it gets murky dollar. because he's not even involved. He doesn't even care about Top Dollar. He only gets involved yeah, with so Top he turns Dollar up because, to that. because Top Dollar is holding Skank. Yeah, so the only bank. reason Top Dollar is involved is because Skank, um, because um, Top Dollar is upset that someone keeps killing his crew. And um, they recognize that all they have to do is hold on to Skank and whoever is doing the killing, Eric Draven, he will come for Skank eventually, which he does. He turns up and says, I don't want anything to do with any of you. I just want, I just want this one points at skank and that they, they then shoot him and, and think that wasn't so very scary. 
Eric Draven then proceeds to kill an entire room full of of bad hombres, um, and uh, Skank is then sent through a window to stage literally stage dive from from forty feet, you know, from four mm. floors up, um, and that's Eric Draven. He's done. He's he's completed his worldly mission, his revenant's revenge, and he he goes back to his grave. Um, only to discover that Sarah has been kidnapped, mm. um, the little girl, by Top Dollar. Um, and then they go into the church and the final fight out, uh, shootout begins. It, just, it all happens too late. That, that needs to be the midway point because it's, it's a shift. It, it needs to, Do you think? It needs, yeah, it, it needs to shift. It needs to shift earlier. It's too, it's, it's, so, you go two-thirds of the movie on this, on this revenge story where he's just, he's just killing these goons. And there's yeah. no, like, there's there's nothing to it. There's nothing at stake for him. We don't know enough about Top Dollar to know why we should care about him, and mm. and what the connection is between him and Eric anyway. Except that, it vaguely, you know, it's him who pulled the pulled the strings on the hit on Eric and Shelley in the first place. But that's not even why Eric is after him. He's only after him because he's trying to because he's trying to rescue sarah that's right so he's not even if, and if top dollar had left sarah alone and uh had done nothing then he would yeah he would have just he would have just gone back to his grave and and movie would be over yeah and maybe there's maybe there maybe you're right there's more missing from from reading about it you get the impression that that it's it was a pretty it's a pretty quick rewrite but that the film is still largely the vision that was intended the, the, just, I'm talking about the rewrites based on Brandon Lee's death but maybe maybe you're right maybe that's underselling the amount of the story that had to be rejigged and the amount that had to be cut in order to make up for the shooting that they lost after Brandon yeah. Lee died I'd, I'd say I'd say they definitely rejigged large parts of it I mean watching it one and You've got to imagine this is 1994. Um, special digital special effects are really only just really getting started at this point in any kind of seriousness. Um, but some of the stuff they did um, to make up for the fact that Brandon Lee died early, there's um, they put his face on Chad Stileski a couple of times. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of backlit stuff where he's in silhouette. There's a lot of from behind shooting. Um, which is clearly not Brandon Lee. Um, but I, I suspect one of the things that they had to do was there's, there's an entire um, character that's been cut from the film called the Skull Cowboy, um, and the, the deleted scenes are online. And the, the, the Skull Cowboy was this character with, that explained the, the, the world to us as we went through. It, it's this character that tells um, Eric Draven the nature of his power and what his mission on earth is and, and all that stuff. So that character has been completely removed. And um, I've seen the scenes that have been cut. There's a couple of other scenes that have been cut here and there as well. Um, ultimately, I think there's about 15 minutes of film cut. So, I mean, it's a pretty tight story anyway. It's just over an hour and a half. So would have made it just under two hours mm. tops. But um, I think I think they just cut all that down. A couple of quick rewrites. Um, I think they shot some additional scenes to cover um, like the story plots. I think Bai Ling gets a, a slightly expanded role. 
um, so that she so she then becomes you know this the, she talks about the crow being the link to the world um, for Eric Draven um, you know kill the bird kill the boy um, and and that kind of that kind of thing um, and I think that's where this I think for you that's where this starts coming apart but I think actually all of that I don't think that matters I think the the same issues you have with the film at the moment probably would exist if the film was shot uh, without incident mm. and I think I think I think ultimately I think you're right I think there needs to be that shift back from the the third act to the sec to the middle of the second act um, where uh, Brandon Lee loses his powers or whatever um, and suddenly becomes mortal or the villains discover a way to deal with him um, uh, or discover a way to, to circumnavigate the fact that he's unstoppable um, but I, I think that's a different film and it doesn't become this dark revenge fantasy that the film obviously obviously wants to be in the first place mm. yeah so I don't know I like this movie. <laughs> do we? Do we, I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen. Do, do we have? A, do we have it's, a what happens next? Given that the given that the characters end up dead, Sarah needs a lot of therapy because she goes on uh, to talk about how her friend Eric came back from the dead. No one believes her. Yeah. Uh, she goes on. Sarah Connor. <laughs> Sarah Connor's a yeah. She she's preparing for the for the return of the dead. Um, I guess. <laughs> And then ultimately she's thrown into a, a mental institution and uh, she, she suffers greatly for it. Um, yeah, and um, and also the, the cop, he loses his job. He gets indicted. Uh, there's, there's, three, there's two dead people and um, a blind woman uh, running around the church that he, and he's in there. Like, he's on suspension. He's, he's going to jail. Uh, a lot of people are, are losing their jobs for this and, and going to jail. Yeah, his, it's his, terrible. his story that, that it was, that was the dead, it was a guy who died a year ago. <laughs> it was a dead guy. He was the one yeah, who, he's the one who did all this. That's not holding up in court. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> also, because of the big gangland slaying in the top floor of that, that, um, that, that cement factory slash disco um there's a massive power vacuum uh, which leads to a lot of gang fights uh, a lot of innocent people get killed there's a lot of fires it's terrible it's bedlam it's an awful day thanks movie yeah thanks a lot yeah law and order did not prevail thanks grunge thanks grunge thanks industrial uh, metal <laughs> alternative rock <laughs> what have you done for us rage rage against the machine is on this soundtrack Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Also on the Matrix soundtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are too. Yeah. You know, for a band that was awful awfully against like consumerism and you know, fight the power, um, they 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 turn up on a lot of stuff and they obviously made a lot of money. Hmm. What was what it, was Keanu doing at this time? I guess um Point Break must have come out around this time, right? Yeah, I think Point it's Break 90, was about this time. Ninety four. Yeah, yeah. Point Break, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. yeah, he would have done Bill and Ted's by now. Yeah, Bill and Ted is like eighty nine, um, and so yeah. Actually, um, that's speed. That's, that's he probably wouldn't have been cast in this, although he could have done a fine job in this because he didn't. He didn't really adopt that. That yeah, he was he was still coming off the boyish, kind of goofball persona. Yeah, he wasn't quite he, he wasn't quite action hero he until like Speed, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But to, I guess one of, and then we we're talking about this earlier, like one of the big what ifs is um, in Hollywood is like, what if Brandon Lee hadn't died? Um, would Brandon Lee, you know, would you then get the matrix starring Brandon Lee? I think that's a possibility. Like that's the kind of film you could see Brandon Lee doing. Hmm. Yeah. Kung Fu movie, which kind of, which kind of takes a lot of liberties from the likes of Bruce Lee. Hmm. Um, and then starring Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee, the late Bruce Lee's son. Oh, it's a real shame. I, I really think, I really think, um, Brandon Lee was set for a triple A greatness. And I think this film would have propelled him to a superstar mm. rather than just being the son of Bruce Lee. I think it's a real shame. And how, how awful for that actor who, who, who's on scene. I think his name is Michael Massey. I, yeah. I think he died. He died in 2016. RIP. Um, but yeah, he, he was just doing his job and he was given a gun to shoot on set and you know told at the last minute okay here's a gun now shoot you, read, and you said something about the like there was a like a mass like an arms expert yeah so there was a master of arms or an arm an arms master um who was sent home early because i think actually he wasn't there wasn't meant to be gunfire on the day or there wasn't meant to be a gunshot and then it was a last minute change which meant that that wound up with um, Brandon Lee getting shot. It was just a whole bunch of shitty circumstances. And so the arms master, the, 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 um, the, the guy in charge of the guns, he would have known to have checked mm. the barrel to make sure it was clear of obstructions. But the props guys didn't. Mm. So they just like, oh, yeah, you just load some blanks in here and away you go. But they had failed to, to check to make sure that the barrel was clear of obstructions. No health and safety and, culture um, in 1994. I guess not. I guess not in 1994. Fake I guess they were just... Guns, what could go wrong? Fake guns, what could go wrong? I mean, a lot of the time these days, they, they don't even use real like blanks on set. They just use... They insert the, the, the effect digitally now. Um, so it's, it's safer. Unless you're John Wick and... You're firing thousands of blank rounds. Easier on the ears. Easier on the ears. It's interesting because Chad Stileski, who's the body double slash stunt performer, um, he later goes on to 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 direct the John Wick films. So he's a he's a prolific um. stunt coordinator, um, prolific stunt performer, and then so later he goes on to do John Wick with Keanu Reeves. Right. So, yeah, small world. Oh, very good. Yeah, all right anything else you want to you want to chuck on chuck on top of that add a, add a little layer a little cream on the um, top cream at the top uh the sequels suck <laughs> 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 they get real bad real quick um i i went and saw a midnight showing of oh, uh, the crow city god. of angels dear god um, the night it opened uh, and I was super hyped because I really enjoyed The Crow when I watched it. And I remember coming out, I've seen it once. I've seen The Crow, City um, City of Angels or City of Salvation or whatever the hell it's called. I've seen that one time. And it was pants. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. Um, it's it, it follows Sarah grown up and they replace... They replaced the actress because the actress would have been about the right age to play the older version of herself. But they replaced her with some late 90s brunette stunner. And um, and they it's this this 
punk rock fantasy opus thing that actually has Iggy Pop in it. And it's just awful. It's just so bad. Um, I'd say we should do it on the podcast, but I, I really have no desire to go over no, and investigate that. No, film, so. you're not selling it to me. <laughs> it's terrible. That's... And then they get even worse. They get worse somehow. The The third one's got Eric Mobius. Uh, Mobius? Um, best name ever. Eric Mobius or Mobius. What a name. Um, and uh, Kirsten Dunst. Um, and it's this weird hodgepodge of a film with Fred with Fred Ward, I think. Um, as well um and it's uh, about a man who is who is executed and he comes like state execution um and it's got crooked cops and um it, it on paper it seems like it's a good idea uh but no terrible idea mm. it's awful it's just poorly executed and poorly put the put together and kirsten dunst is a big name when this film comes out i'm sure she was doing everything in her power to keep this film from coming to light because mm. she she's getting all that spider-man dollar so she was like no 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 one needs to see this um and then the third one the fourth one sorry the fourth one's got edward furlong um in it and he's the kid from terminator yeah. 2 which comes out about this time um and it is garbage so bad <laughs> Have you actually watched all of those? Um, no, no, I've seen the first one and the second one, and I've watched bits and pieces. Oh no, I've seen the first three. Um, I haven't seen the one with Edward Furlong. That was a bridge too far for me. I was like, nope, not watching that. Um, <laughs> for me twice. And then, <laughs> and then they've been trying to reboot it. Um, they've been trying to get it back on track, and um, there's been some there's been some big names associated with it, um, but the last name I saw associated with it was um, uh, Jason Momoa as, as the crow. Oh, wow. Um, and I, that's, a, that's a wildly different movie. That is a very different film. So, and it's also, it's also pretty hard to not, to, to, not talk, to not just briefly mention the effect that the crow had on pop culture in a way that like dickheads were turning up to Halloween parties as the crow ever since yeah there's like it's so prolific that south park do a joke about how it's a the satan's throwing a, a halloween party and he's having this big speech to everyone in hell about how it's a costume party so everyone has to turn up in a costume but no one's allowed to come as the crow because there's always 15 dudes who turn up thinking that it's hot and sexy to come dressed as the crow with some face makeup but they're not hot and they're not sexy. um <laughs> And this movie did more to sell like Doc Martens that you would wear unlaced and um, form-fitting um, black leather pants and, and tops than any than any other film to come before it. Um, and there's certainly, I, I was certainly running around in a circle that at in Auckland in the mid '90s, where people legitimately dressed like the Crow um, for for personal reasons and and listened to Nine Inch Nails and yeah. and Marilyn Manson. They were very goth. It was a weird <laughs> very weird all right anyway we should wrap this up um, <laughs> um so listen i'm 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 calling this uh, sorry i don't I, it doesn't make up for i'm calling it wallowing fair enough i won't fight you i i like this movie for a whole bunch of reasons i think it's a fun film um i think it's hard to to talk about this film without without brandon lee and his passing in it and that being a major part of probably why this film was the big success that it was. Um, it's not a movie without its without its flaws, that's for mm. sure. 
So I'll, I'll abstain from, from giving a vote on this one and defer to your better judgment, Mike. Nostalgia's got too much of a hook in me for this that's, one. So. That's very that's very self-aware of you. Very mature. <laughs> hey, you don't have to... The things you like don't always have to be great. The things you like oh. just have to have a meaning to you. Absolutely. Um, if you want to, if you want to love Ace of Base, you go ahead. You go right ahead and love that Ace of Base single you bought in 1992. Yeah, I feel that, Craig. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, All right. We're gonna get out well, of here. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, uh, find us on social media. F- um, like hanging around on rooftops blah, playing blah, guitars in the rain friends yeah. and shit <laughs> <laughs> sell it harder mike sell it harder sell it like you're playing a guitar solo a, a wailing guitar whoa, solo in the rain <laughs> that's better follow us on twitter hit us up on facebook uh send us an email actually i don't think we tell people our email but there's plenty of ways no. to interact with us if you yeah if you got an idea for a movie um that we should do that it's verging on greatness um yeah we'd love to hear from you and yeah absolutely we'll be back next time see you later craig we will all right see you mike Bye. Thank you.